you are listening to Andy's vision. You know, because God began to restore my vision. Now, it wasn't like all crystal clear or nothing, but God began to restore it. I saw it. They always ask me that. Every time I see a kid, what happened to your ass? What's important is what happened to this. And from that day, God began to give me more and more vision. In my right eye. In my right eye. I was really blind. God healed me. For real. When people look me in the eye, I want them to see the power of God. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Andy's Vision. I am so excited that you decided to check us out today, um, and you are welcome. Uh, so my name is Jason. I do go by Smiley. Um, I am the host, and today I just wanted to spend some time talking about um, how to. It's really a, a, a hard period of time in my life. And so uh, it's been a few weeks since we uploaded and I, um, I've watched a few, just some close friend, a close friend passed away just a few weeks ago and I honestly didn't feel like doing a lot. Um, and so uh, I just felt like I needed to record today and share some of my thoughts thoughts and really reflect over a period of time where uh, I found some peace. And I don't know where you are um, in this world and what you are experiencing right now. As I record this and as we upload, this is the Easter weekend. Some of you may be first time uh, heading into the church in a couple of years if, <laughs> you know, with the pandemic and you know, people want to go to church on Easter. I know I remember just a couple of years ago, our last kind of Easter perform. what well, we're doing two years ago, this time two years ago, um, we did a online Easter celebration and wanted to do sunrise service. And we were up all night recording so that we can post online in the morning. And, um, you know, uh, I'm glad that we were able to do that, <laughs> and I was able to share a sermonette, I guess, about Saturday. I was actually reading through the book of Isaiah at the time, and I saw the need for a Savior. As you look through that book, just the need of a Messiah, and so that is where I got stopped in Isaiah 50, 35, where it talked about this need and really the place to rest um, in the midst of um, a dry land that the Lord will make the the sand into a pool of water and that was just a beautiful imagery poetic and I shared about Saturday thinking about thinking about the the resurrection of Jesus we celebrate the day um, of Jesus coming to life he died um, and was raised to life and so we celebrate that day. We call it Resurrection Day. Some people call it Easter. And we kind of honor, uh, we honor that moment. And that's really the, the, the pinnacle of why people decide to follow Jesus, uh, because this is what makes things different, is that resurrection. But there's also a powerful moment, and we talk about Good Friday. Um, Friday represents the day that Jesus was died on the cross. And so this is something that Christians often express uh, throughout the year, but specifically during this season, we are remembering that moment. And so I often wonder, uh, and I heard a sermon a while back about um, 
what what is Saturday like? And so the Saturday is a Sabbath day. <laughs> it's a day of rest, but it was the day before Jesus rose from the dead and it was the day after he died. So there was this the worst day of their life moment. And then before they even realized would be the best day in history. There was an in-between moment. And so as I think about that, I wonder how often I have lived in that Saturday. (laughs) Um, My first spoken word album is called 3.13 a.m. And it actually reflects the moments of that Saturday. It walks through poetry. And it was the first ever collection of poems ever released. Um, But it's, it's symbolic because it's after midnight, the darkest time, right? Midnight could be symbolized at the darkest moment. It's just the darkest it'll be at night. Um, the sun is the farthest away um, at midnight and then it's before the sun comes up so it's in between that moment and before the sun rises but after midnight 3 13 a.m and so that is the symbolic of the time um, and the poems reflect moments in that unknown and in that uncertainty and so I uh, I want to talk about a year um, that was maybe even longer than a year that felt like the Saturday. And then maybe you've experienced that as you experienced the in-between and uncertainty of 2021. I mean, 2020 was a tough year. (laughs) And then maybe, maybe 2021 was like, well, is it going to be better than now? Or is it the worst that has happened? And some of you maybe are in the beginning of that where you experience the worst and you experience um, the the pain, and I think about that as I um, remember my friend uh, Big John who passed away. In the times that we've had together, I remember sharing about this journey uh, online, and I remember um, as I walked through, kind of preaching about this moment of 2012 for me, and I shared it. I can even hear his voice say, like, man, you preaching me, Doc. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, John, I do want to dedicate this to you uh, in memory of you as I think about the things that you've been through. Um, and so I miss you. I love you, brother. Um, and I'm praying for your family. So today we're going to actually walk through a couple poems and um, it's from my book, Curing the Midas Touch. And so I'm going to walk through some of these poems and I'm going to share with you just some of the behind the scenes um, about it as I uh, tell you about this hard time of my life. So Curing the Midas Touch, the title of the book that I am sharing uh, a few poems. There's 26 poems in this book, 25, 26 poems in this book. So I'll probably share um, maybe five or so. And what we're going to do before I before I uh, wrote the book. Now, the thing is, I journal. Um, I write in my journal when I need the most. Even early this morning, I was just venting through my journal. And um, a lot of times when I'm writing, I'm in prayer. I'm in um, moments of just desiring something better. And so I'm writing. Sometimes I'm reflecting, but sometimes I'm frustrated. And 
in 2011, at the end of 2011, beginning of 2012, throughout 2012 till 2013 was a, was a time period where I started seeing things fall apart uh, in my life. The moment where I see, I saw when I first started doing ministry right out of college, I was seeing, you know, success. Uh, I started planting a, a college ministry at Jackson State, and I was seeing a lot uh, thrive there. And I was excited to see multiple students, Bible study leading, and um, so many people like coming to faith. And I'm just like, man, this is what God called me to do. I'm fresh out of college. You know, I'm in seminary, making straight A's through seminary. I'm just like, success, success, success at everything I do. And then when I stopped, you know, kind of focused, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to put all in, everything all in. And when I put everything all in, and I started seeing a lot of success. It felt like I had the Midas touch, that everything I touched was turning to gold. Um, however, immediately after, <laughs> almost as quick as I saw it come up, is as quick as it started falling, I started seeing failure, and I felt like I had the opposite of the Midas touch, that everything I touched turned into death. I was, the church that I grew up in was falling apart. The ministry that I was planting at Jackson State was now falling apart. My family all moved away and I was just like, Lord, what am I supposed to do with my life? And so I'm going to read the one of the poems in the book. It's called Depression. Depression. Loneliness. No kiss yet I wished. I feel like I've missed life. I'm not pissed, just absent. A pain of emptiness, I'm hungry. Even though I ate, I'm thirsty. Although I've drank, it's my life, it feels blank. Purposeless, meaninglessness as I breathe slowly. I close my eyes to see. I feel cold, alone, lonely. Lost with no home, Macaulay. I close my eyes, no vision is shown. Just a mythological fairy tale of talking trees and butterflies. All lies. I dream in color. Reality is black and white lines. I read someone's prayer request today. I cried. I need a hug, an elimination of my pride. Destroy the ego. Selfishness is out to get me, destroying me, creating insecurity, fed by envy. You know, I wrote this um, October 5th, 2011. And I remember uh, there was a specific uh, line in there that says, I read someone's prayer request today and I cried. I uh, I was feeling something in those moments. And you see, a few months before, I asked the Lord for humility. I saw uh, this uh, amazing, um, powerful, dynamic speaker, which was in the midst of her humility, uh, named Mama, Mama Maggie. She was, they called her the uh, Mother Teresa of Cairo. She worked in, uh, in just the, the, the garbage villages of, of Cairo, Egypt. And she was really a powerful speaker. And I, as I saw her, I saw uh, humility. I saw the power of the Holy Spirit rest on the stage. And I'm like, I want that kind of humility. I want that kind of grace. And so I asked the Lord, I said, break me like, 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 like she's like the way that I see her. And I, I had this uh, piece of clay, uh, broken pot. Uh, and I asked the Lord and I wrote on this broken piece of plot. I said, break me like this pot is broken. So I prayed that prayer because <laughs> uh, I wanted, I didn't want to have a calloused heart. I, I wanted to have find true grace and humility. And as I read, as I 
wrote this poem, I didn't know how to describe how I felt. I called it depression, but I was like, I don't know, something's missing. And it was, um, I was on campus and we still had like small group Bible studies going. Everything wasn't falling apart at the moment, but I felt like something was missing. And so we did this uh, prayer uh, box and we would get prayer gathers. Like we had a big prayer box in the middle of the camp. Well, not in the middle, in the student center and students would write their prayer requests and put it in the box. And so I would read and we kind of took turns with the, with the different um, students and student leaders and I, I prayed over them. And so I remember reading the prayer requests and I'm like, I felt like that their prayer request was almost the same as what I needed. <laughs> like maybe I need to be writing the prayer request down. Um, and I felt like I wasn't enough to do what I was doing. I felt like I was missing something. And so little did I know that the Lord was breaking me. He was breaking me out of my pride. He was breaking me a lot of ways. And so, uh, the idea of this title is called curing the Midas touch because I, what I realized is later on is that, um, the myth of success was blinding me. Uh, I wanted to see fruit when it comes to ministry, like, Oh man, I want to see so much fruit, but I didn't know how to eat fruit because what I was looking for was this image of what success, what I thought success was a bunch of people in Bible study a you know, flourishing amount of people coming to conferences and things like that. But I didn't know how to consume fruit. I didn't know how to eat fruit, meaning that the living water, the the bread of life, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These things I could see, but did I know how to consume it for me? Because in order to be able to consume the fruit, I had to spend time in the garden just with Jesus. And I was so busy doing work for Jesus that I didn't know how to spend time with Jesus. Um, but things started breaking. Uh, just a few months uh, after this, like that moment, we were like, okay, maybe even a you know a couple weeks later. It wasn't even a few months. It was a couple weeks later. I started at, um, I was like, okay, we got, you know, it's post midterms. I'm getting, a, I'm gathering a group of students and I'm like, Hey, all right, guys, we're going to, we're going to have this amazing, um, uh, time of, of developing vision for the campus. So I, I, I ended up, um, renting out, uh, this big house, uh, in West Jackson, uh, and we were able to do like a, a retreat day. And so we had barbecue, I cooked, everybody cooked out. I brought a bunch of food. I bought some, you know, we had games, interactive games. I'm like, we're going to have some fun, but we're also going to be able to do some planning. And so this was with my agenda and my vision in mind. I created an atmosphere with these students who I've been working with for the last two years, year and a half, two years. And they're like, yeah, they all come. We had about maybe 15, 20 students there uh, and they were they were engaged, right? Uh, for the games and for the food. <laughs> and so then after, after like a full day, uh, it was probably, you know, mid afternoon. And I'm like, all right, guys, uh, so let's plan. You know, we had some fun. Now let's debrief and let's plan uh, our semester. Like, what do we want to see the campus? Like, how can we reach the campus? And throughout that whole meeting, as I'm like, I have giant post notes, brainstorming, trying to brainstorm. I'm really, it feels like I'm pulling teeth and all these people want to do is just play and goof off and flirt with each other and eat 
junk. And I was just like, I was frustrated. And so I felt like I was wasting my time. I felt like I was doing all this stuff for nothing. And this is the poem that I wrote uh, immediately after that. It's called Empty. You ever had a desire but couldn't express it into words? Visual description is just deception. False interpretation is simply misconceptions. It's like, I can't communicate with self. Mind says one thing, body something else, a walking contradiction. My words speak fiction, thus lies cause friction, disconnection. Now I feel like something is missing, a void, the paper blank, unwritten. Amber alert, a friendship is in danger of ending past hurt and pain, panic, unforgiven. You ever wanted to say something but didn't know what to say? Communication goes forgetting, I mean forgotten. My neglect and lack of care causes it to go rotten, spoiled, molded, three weeks old and corroded. It's sour because of me. My words I wish you could see visually, sorta, and kinda deep. A track that's your fave, set it on repeat. Head down, I'm bobbing, no music, just defeat. A lost game, I'm doomed. Why do I choose to compete? Submit to the chief. A life without peace, I get high because I have no relief. Victory, I can't see my future, I have no belief. Words can express my reality. It's their absence that causes my mistaken identity. Entity, invisibly blind, a desire to be filled, missing what is real. This is me. I am what you feel. So just call me empty. So there was a lot of pain in that. I wrote this at the end of October. It was the day of that event that I was planning. And I was I maybe even wrote it at the place because I was just like, I something's missing. Like I'm trying to do this stuff, but something's missing. I, I feel like. Some, I don't know how to put it into words. And, and as I wrote it out, I was like, oh, am I empty? Am I, am I, did I run out of gas because I poured so much out? Am I, am I not being poured into? And you see, the thing is, the, re, I, the reality was I wasn't being poured into. I was pouring out so much. But the place that I called home to go to get plugged into was dying. It literally was dying um, we had a church, you know, we were meeting every single week and I was I was, you know, submitting to the leadership and I was trying to figure stuff out. But everything was moving around. Things were things were falling apart. You know, um, each week I was setting up the you know, opening the door, setting things up and trying to get things going. And and it was draining me. It wasn't fulfilling me. And even as I started doing the work on campus or continue to do the work on campus, it was started to drain because the students were not engaged. There was no ownership. I was pulling teeth. I was dragging. And I was like, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to understand the vision. But they weren't getting it. And they even challenged me spiritually. They said, Smiley, stop focusing so much on your agenda and learn how to follow the Holy Spirit. And I was like, you don't understand. I've been trained. I know what I'm talking about. What you talking to me about this stuff? I was 25 years old and I thought I knew everything. (laughs) I really did. But I was empty. Have you felt like that? Have you felt like you've been going through the motions? And even as I read those words, sometimes I get back to the moment where I wrote it and I reflect over the moments where. You know, I don't have words to say. So I even go back to these words. Visual description is just deception. False interpretation, simply misconceptions. As I try to write out what I'm feeling, it's deceiving me. You know? 
It's like I can't communicate with self. My mind says one thing, body something else, a walking contradiction. My words speak fiction. It's like I can't communicate with self. I'm trying to express how I feel and I don't even know how to do it with my words, with my body language. Uh, it's it's disconnection. You know, that word disconnection is so it's so interesting because, you know, we had this uh, conference at uh, the university um, just uh, about two months ago and we called it reconnecting. Reconnecting to God's intimacy, reconnecting to God's to God, to, to each other, because we've been in a world where we've been only looking at things virtually for the last almost you know two years now, over two years. And things have been so like even with that, things have been disconnected. And I know I have felt disconnected. I felt disconnected from people. I've, I mean, I'm an introvert, you know, and I can be by myself. I can I know how to live by myself and and do everything and enjoy the time alone and things like that. And so with the pandemic, it was even easier to stay disconnected. I can just, you know, turn off my camera or unplug my computer or whatever. And I can be disconnected from from the society, from the world and people. But I think that it also reflects the more that I'm. Connected to other junk. The more that I'm disconnected from God. And the source of my energy is Jesus. So when I was crying out that I said I was disconnected, I felt that disconnection. It was because I was missing something and that was the emptiness. And I didn't answer it. The poem didn't answer what the emptiness was. Cause I'm like, I know God. The thing is I have a relate. I had a relationship with Jesus. Like I wasn't, I wasn't um, unfamiliar. I was telling people about God, but what it was is that I wasn't really spending intimate time with God. And even as I say this now, I'm just trying to figure out, like, it's a lifestyle. The words that God speaks to me is daily. He's like, you know what? I need you to rest with me all the time. Like, it's not just the moment that you experienced 10 years ago. It's not just the moment that you experienced, you know, five years ago or last week. Even it's like it's every single day. Just as much as you hunger and thirst for food or water daily, you also hunger and thirst for the living water and Jesus. And he fulfills you in ways that this worldly water ain't going to ever fulfill. But sometimes I get frustrated, you know, I'm like, well, how much longer do I keep going to this living water? Well, I just want one time, plug it up and call it a day. But I think there's something powerful about pursuit. There's something powerful about being reminded that I'm human. <laughs> uh, it's being cured of the Midas touch, because if if I could actually find and this is the thing, being cured of the Midas touch was that as I saw failure, I'm reminded of my humanity, but I'm also reminded that I need something better than myself. Why is that a good thing? Um, because it pushes me to go further. Not to just settle for mediocrity, not to just settle for what I can have offered in front of me, but something powerful and bigger than myself. And that's Jesus. But it also gives me peace and humility because it's not based on me. I can get prideful by saying, look at all the stuff that I've done and I achieved. And, I can, and if I get full on the things that I've done, I would be a bit prideful of that. But if but if I um, miss out on the things and, and assume that because of my failure that I'm that, I, that it's related to my value, then I get and get discouraged. The reality is I'm a human being and life happens with or without Jesus. Ups and downs happen. Roller coasts happen. 
and I need connection. So when I say God was cure me of the Midas touch, he was breaking down the Midas touch. If you know the story of King Midas, it's a curse because everything he started touching was turning to gold. Now, the story goes, if you haven't heard it, uh, basically what happened, there was this king named Midas and he wanted he was very wealthy. And so there was a fairy that came to him and said, I will grant you one wish, any wish you want. And so the king was like, man, if I could have anything, shoot, I had anything I touched and turned to gold. That's what I want. So the fairy said, are you sure you want anything you touch? Man, he said, look, I want everything to touch. Every single thing I touch turned to gold. Do that. So the fairy's like, you sure? He's like, yes. I said, yes, go do it. So the fairy did it. And so he granted him a wish and the king, you know, touched everything to gold. He touched the chair, turned to gold. He touched, you know, um, you know, the, the tables and the, you know, the chandeliers and the doors and everything. Single things turned to gold. After a full day of turning everything into gold, just building up his wealth higher and higher and higher. He was tired and hungry and thirsty. So he grabbed an apple <laughs> to eat. As soon as he touched it, guess what? It turned to gold. He grabbed a something to drink a cup of water the cup turned to gold and then as the water entered into the mouth his lips and his tongue it turned into gold and he could not drink or eat anything the story ends with king midas starving and dying of thirst because every single thing he touched turned into gold well I was living like that where I didn't know how to eat. <laughs> I didn't know how to drink. I was dying of thirst, but I was seeing so much amazing stuff. And that's the thing. Don't let your success blind you from being able to spend time with God. That's the hardest thing. When you start seeing good things happen, it might be even harder for me <laughs> because I'm like, look, well, God is obviously present, so I don't need to go to him. But that's the re that's the opposite mindset. It's like, no, I need him even more now than ever before. And that's where I'm at. Like, I need the Lord now more than ever before. I need him every single moment of the day, every hour of the day. I need him. And that's all I need. When everything around me falls apart, when everything around me shuts down, when everything around me is, is not fulfilling, I need the one that is stronger than anything that I can ever imagine. The one that is strength I can rest on. The joy of the Lord is my strength. This is what I need. So. As I entered into 2012, about 10 years ago, I knew that I knew that I was missing. Like these are the poems you heard. Uh, empty depression. Um, there was a couple. Well, did I read empty? Yeah, I read empty and depression. And there was a couple more. But then as I entered into the, the new year, I realized that I needed something more powerful. Um, but I was so broken. I was so downtrodden. I was so focused on myself so much that I didn't know exactly how to get it. I looked for it everywhere else, and now I'm just like, well, Lord, I don't know. So as I entered in 2012, I lived and, and took a bath and a dip into my pity pool. And I call this poem, I'm going to share with you, Pity Pool Party. As I look at my life, I'm not where I want to be. Financially, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, physically. There is a better me inside this blob called smiling. 
I am financially free, physically fit. The world knows me, or at least looks like it. Yet jealousy has taken over. What have I done with my 25 years? Why am I not where I want to be? I'm not even ordained, only got one degree, part-time money, driving a rundown, beat-up minivan, and single. To the world and my standards, I'm unsuccessful. I spend on what I want, but I'm stuck. I've been in the same social economical point in my life for the past two years. I feel like I've been in the same spiritual level for the past two years. I give and give, but does God say it's not enough? I fast and feel empty, no fulfillment. I work and labor and I see no fruit. I am optimistic. I am hopeful, but maybe I'm just a naive, ignorant buffoon with false hopes and meaningless dreams. 25 years old. The world says I'm still young, but I know God wants bigger and better. Or give me visions of the future. I want to see a glimpse of hope. I'm in my pity pool. Cry me a river. I am doomed to be that old, single, unsuccessful, sloppy creeper. Why am I not where I want to be? What am I waiting on? Am I the controller of my destiny? I got tired. I got lazy. Am I in hell? Welcome to 2012. Whew. So, that is pity pool party. And, um... I just, I was in so much pain as I wrote those words. I felt so lost and I could not see. Like the thing is, I'm a visionary. And as I entered like a new year, new me type thing, I'm like, Lord, help me to see the future because I couldn't see. And that, that frustrated me so much because I'm like, I usually see five years in advance, right? Like I'm a visionary, but at this moment I'm blinded and I'm, 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 I'm seeing failure. And I think that it was, it was that brokenness that I needed to experience. And I still thank God for the brokenness. I thank God for the pain. I thank God uh, for that. But I think that the moments in the pity pool is to realize that it's not, you're one, you're not alone. <laughs> in that pool you're not alone the pity pool party is actually a party <laughs> of pityness like don't, don't drain it on yourself because the reality is jesus is that right there with you in your pain as we think about the the resurrection of jesus the moments after him dying there was a group of women that continued to go to his body in the day of his resurrection even to cover him with spices and things like that and so through all of the, the, the gospels share this, share this story. But I, I love where how John describes it, because as we think about the, 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 the experience of your losing a close loved one and the mourning process uh, in John chapter 20, verse 11, it says, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been. And one of at, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked, woman, why are you crying? You think about this, like you are in, if you are in a moment where of despair, where you are experiencing your Saturday or even your Sunday morning, where it's not even, you don't know what happened next. And then you're in your most painful moments where you're weeping and this is where she's weeping. And then these angels say, woman, why are you crying? And she says, they have taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have put him. This is powerful. 
There's so much uncertainty in that word. It's like, I just need to know. I don't know. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, this is Jesus, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Think about those words. (laughs) Think about those words. Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? As I think about the pity pool that I was in, where I experienced so much pain. And as I think about even moments throughout the last few months of just experiencing moments of pain and crying, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? She didn't know. She didn't recognize him. She didn't know. She wanted her best friend. She wanted the one that was going to be there forever, the one that would never leave or forsake her. He, she wanted him and he was gone and she didn't know what to do. And so she was crying out and saying, why are they taking him? I don't know where he is. I just want to know where he is. And he was standing right next to her. Now I'm crying. (laughs) Thinking about thinking that he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her. Mary. Jesus called her by name and she turned to him and cried out in Aramaic Rabbani which means teacher Jesus said do not hold on to me for I have yet to ascend it he wanted to see her immediately he said go ahead and tell your brothers and my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to the father and your father and to my God and your God and Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news I've seen the Lord And she told them that he had said these things to her. Y'all, he said to her, Mary, and she knew who he was immediately. And the thing is, like I said, in our moments of low, in our moments of pain, in our moments of of shame and, and worry and uncertainty, Jesus is right there next to us crying out your name. He is calling your name. And that's what I hear. So, as I entered in 2012, I talked about this pity pool party and the pain. I didn't realize that Jesus was right there with me. But he was humbling me. He was breaking me down. And so, I still had so much blindness and so much distractions in my heart. I want to read this poem called Heavy Heart. It's short. I wrote it about a month later. It says, My heart is heavy. I claim to have been steady, routine, and consistent, consistently non-resistant. I thought I was ready, yet my heart was petty. Desiring others to change, I feel like I've done everything not the same. Is this a game? Am I insane? I see the pain in my heavy heart. Such a simple poem that I wrote as I wanted other people to do things better 
and I wasn't adjusting myself. I saw the pain in my heart, but I didn't know how to fix it. And I think that that's where I wrote. I was like, I need something better. I need something better than this. (laughs) And I, I felt like I was hopeless. I felt like I was missing out on something. And, um, yeah, I just needed something better than me. So. I'm going to read a couple more poems uh, because it really does tell a story. Uh, this is this these this book, Curing the Midas Touch, is just a chronological um, it's in chronological order of a journey of a spiritual journey of reflection. It's literally every poem in my book, in my journal for that year uh, that I just kind of put it all together. And um, it does reflect that the pain that I experienced. And so I'm going to read these two poems back to back. The first one is called. Actually, yeah, I think I might, yeah, I'm going to read two poems back to back. Betrayal and then Unfocus. I think they were written almost the same day, close to it. Betrayal. I can't look you in the eyes, face down, broken heart, fallen pride. I know you hate me. You know what I did, I can't hide, caught in the middle, stuck on the outside, I knew better. But I wanted my brain fried, unfiltered, contaminated, battered, no churches, just thighs. I lied to you and you alone, loneliness, selfishness is my home, my mind is blown, I'm, 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 I'm stuck in a rut. Wrapped up in my own crime against self, I'm, 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 I'm far from the divine. Hiding behind, cloudy is my mind, no sunshine, no rain to alleviate the pain because I took your name in vain, thus I remain in the stagnant pond of my own shame. This is how I beat myself up, (laughs) how I felt like the Lord hated me, and I literally said, I know you hate me. See, these are lies that I told myself because of my own shame and sin as I faced the reality that I was broken. The sin of, of the fact that I'm in pain and I'm trying to alleviate the pain, but I'm feeling like the Lord hates me because of my choices that I chose not to stay with him. But that's not the truth. And the thing is, I was so confused. And that's what the unfocused is, is, is another uh, is the next poem that I'm going to read, because I literally when I wrote this poem, I literally broke my glasses. Like I, I, I wear glasses to see. And I remember I was a part of this theater team and we were doing like improv acting uh, that summer. And I was dancing around and then my glasses fell and I stepped on them and they cracked in half. I was in Madison, Wisconsin, and I ended up having to find some you know Walmart cheap glasses to pop my lenses in. But I literally broke my glasses and I wrote this poem because I felt like it was symbolic that the Lord was trying to show me something when I broke my glasses. Unfocus. I broke my glasses today. Blurry mind, blurry vision I can't see. So many thoughts, choices, options, infinity. Too many so I choose to walk blindly. Stuck in a street with my own life behind me. I lost control, so I need to know. Do I search? No, Google can't find me. I want to focus, but this broken frame of mine can't hold the lenses because they are divine. 
you know, we call this uh, podcast Andy's Vision. And uh, it's to honor my father and the nonprofit, the Andy Abrams Foundation, but also to the idea of vision is so powerful. And the idea of vision, even as I wrote in the poem, is bigger than myself. When I only focus on my own vision, my vision is blurry. My vision by myself is blurry. And then sometimes I wear these glasses that I think, oh, I can see. But the reality is my fake glasses can't hold the powerful vision of the divine. So they're going to break. <laughs> if I put my put my vision of the divine into my fake glasses, they'll fall apart and they will shatter in front of me. And I'll step on them because of my own pride, because of my own arrogance, because of whatever I think I can do and accomplish. But when I actually stay rested in the divine and the creator, then I can then I can use his vision <laughs> to stay with him. My father's vision, not my earthly father. Yeah, Andy's vision is great, but the, I'm talking about the heavenly father's vision. And that's where I can rest in. But I was unfocused. So much on my mind that I didn't know what to choose. And so I decided to just dwell into that. And the Lord started breaking. <laughs> he started breaking the lenses that I made for myself. He started breaking it so I couldn't see and depend on the fake stuff. And then when I couldn't see and depend on the fake stuff, that's when I realized that the Midas touch was being, well, I started to realize later on, but the Midas touch was being cured because I was so busy trying to find myself with my own glasses that I thought I could see, but I still was blind. I was just distracted. So, help us, Jesus. Hope y'all having fun. Uh, I just gotta. I wanna get a, give you a couple more poems um, before I let you go, because you know this is a. Uh, yeah, this is this is definitely. Um, yeah, I appreciate you listening to because I mean this is this is therapeutic for me. It's <laughs> being able to just process verbally and share with you some of my darkest moments because um, that's really what it is. It's moments where I really did not have hope, moments where I did not know where to turn. And sometimes I don't know how to verbally express that to people. You know, they say um, they ask me, you know, how are you doing? You know, I don't know if you ever if you ever have people ask you that. You're like, how are you doing? How are you doing? And so, you know, that's easy to respond to. Typically, you know, I'm fine. You know, that's the response. You know, how are you doing? I'm fine. So, um it's so much to say though like it's really hard to describe and i mean i tell people like how i'm doing i tell you like if if i if i want you to know <laughs> i'll let you know like i'm i'm missing people like i'm i'm i need my family like i really do miss them um that's where i'm at right now and so i'm looking forward to spending time with them but like uh it's, sometimes it's hard to answer and so it's easy to just say fine cuz i don't even know how to describe it that's like that's the reality it's like how am I doing are you doing okay like I don't know like I really don't know I want to say I mean I'm making it you know and I'm not like I don't like selling for making it like I'm I'm living some people say that you know beats the alternative type thing it's like I'm alive yeah that's true those are true statements but how are you doing and as a poet it's like I can't tell you in a word and sometimes I don't even know how to express it in words until I process it through a poem and so there's books <laughs> to explain how I feel uh, at moments. And so um, but uh, I thank you for listening in, because even as I share the poems that I wrote 
10 years ago, there, there are, uh, they also reflect some of the way I feel right now. And so, um, I live in a world where I know Jesus rose from the dead. I'm confident in that. So I don't live in a Saturday of the unknown. I live in the world where I know Jesus rose from the dead, but I also experience the Friday of pain and the Saturday of the unknown often because I really in the I don't know what's going to happen next. And so the Saturday of the unknown is where I am right now. And I want to know I'm a visionary. I want to know. But sometimes I just don't. So I'm going to read this poem called Stuck. There's so much on my mind. I'm stuck. In like this limbo of time, there is no rhyme or reason. I feel like a heathen. Indulge in junk food, no vegan, even though I've made commitments to heat and every day is the week's end. I'm weak and frail. Gotta stay seeking or I'll fail. No circulation, my passion is turning pale. I'm worried that there will be no story to tell Souls lost and doomed to hell A waste of time I fear None will we bail Against the way of life they'll embrace strife Thus backstab the bride Jesus' wife The church Not a building but the mission By selling for a meeting You know I, um, I include journal entries uh, in this book just about how I was feeling at the time that I wrote it. And I felt stuck. So I'm just going to read the journal entry so you can kind of get an idea of why I felt stuck. (laughs) I said, Lord, it's a prayer. I said, Lord, I want to receive direction from you. God, guide me and push me to where you want me to go. I want to accomplish the mission in this city. You have called me for something great. You want to do stuff through me. I know I want to be a part of your mission. I am a missionary. I believe we can change the world. I believe it with God. Lord, I'm praying for this congregation of believers to be missionaries. I pray that they will hear from God. I want to know you more. I want to hear your word. I want to know you more. I want to be cleansed. I want to be purified. I want to be renewed. I want to have your heart, God. I believe in the power of prayer as a tactic to fight in the spiritual war. I want to hear you, God, undistracted. How can we preach God better, Christ? How can we continue to start or be salt and light in this community? God is not finished using me in a varsity yet. I have a confidence and assurance of God's mission at Jackson State and the Jackson metro area. My heart is not for one church body, one group of people, but it is that each person would be impact in order to make an impact on others by God's glory. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I pray for continued spiritual growth. I need the word. This was written in August 10th, 2012. And in August, after, as I entered into a new semester, the church was really on its last leg and the the campus ministry was like, absolutely like, I'm trying to restart it, but I have no students. I have really like maybe one person. I'm trying to figure stuff out. I'm trying to rub. Like, and I I felt, I felt hopeless. I felt lost. And I was praying and pleading to God to say, Lord, like, give me, keep me going in the midst of this. You know, I feel stuck. (laughs) And I'm like a limbo of time of uncertainty. And I need 
this, even though I've 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 tried my own way and I'm like, Lord, I need you. So this is my cry out to him. So I think I'm gonna read two more poems or maybe one more. Yeah, I think I'm gonna read one more poem. And so um, this is one of my favorites that expresses the the tension that I felt uh, and the unknownness, but also the like I feel like I knew where to go. <laughs> so there was like because I was I grew up in the right place. I knew the environment. I knew kind of what to do, like uh, mentally. But I think that practically I didn't take the 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 application to do it myself so I was thirsty I was thirsty for something better than me something bigger than me and um, I was tired of I was tired of seeing failure and um, I was tired of living in my own world I was like I need something better than this so this this last poem I'm read is not the last poem in the book but it's the last poem that I read if you want to know more uh, I am the book is called Caring the Midas Touch and um, actually if you wanted to if you want to uh, I have a few copies on my website so I'll give you like 50% off uh, if you want to go to the website and use the code Andy Vision that way I know you listen to the podcast this far <laughs> so Andy Vision A-N-D-Y-V-I-S-I-O-N Andy Vision and you'll be able to get 50% off of any of the books. So my, either of my books you can do. Uh, I have the Curing the Midas Touch and Curing the Whitewashed Black Man. So if you got that, it'll be an autographed copy I'll mail to you if you're listening to this and you want a copy of that. Uh, but anyway, so if you want to hear more, uh, you can read those. I'm going to read this poem, I'm Thirsty, and um, I'll explain it as I read it or after I read it. It was written on... September 29th, 2012. I'm thirsty. More of you, less of me, please. I sense that I am an absentee worshiper absent from praising the Almighty. My soul longs for thee. I'm so thirsty. For all of you, your entirety, I'm tired of this depravity. I need to see your glory. But I can barely stand gravity from my sin. I'm so thirsty that I can barely speak. All the other stuff I've used were mere attempts to quench it Going through the motion, but even preaching can't fix it No Hulu or daily Netflix satisfies It's my soul who is dry My body hungers for your intimate presence My thirst is for you Jesus invaded all of this place Pour that living water all over my face I'm so thirsty Just one drop will end this agony I miss you, Lord I want you, Jesus, the Prince of Peace In spite of my identity, unconditional Love is your story, life, death to life for us, for me. Daily activity. I cal schedule and routine. Siri can't remind me. I work in ministry, yet I'm so thirsty. But see, in your courts daily is what immediately refreshes me. I got the answer. I <laughs> said, in my courts, in his courts daily is what immediately refreshes me. I knew what to do. But I didn't experience it because I was I was lost. And I knew God was calling me more because my body is meant to be with him. And when I'm not with him, I'm lost. <laughs> and so 
I didn't want to go through the motions. I didn't want to go through just preaching and doing all this stuff. I just didn't want to do play church or play the things. I just wanted to live life with him. And so a few months after that, I started doing retreats of silences and I started taking time away. And I'm, and I'm still learning how to appreciate the moments that we have in the present, the moments that we experience right now. And I want us to be able to embrace that and know how to find true joy in the midst of suffering, in the midst of decay, in the midst of a world that is falling apart. The thing that I love about this, and I said this earlier, and in my, uh, when I read through Isaiah, uh, I talked about the Saturday. Isaiah 50, 35 is a beautiful passage because it calls us and it shares with us what God does for us when we need it. The thing is, he literally transforms, and this is why I'm going to read it too because it's so powerful. Isaiah 35, I'm going to read um, verses, the miracles. So verse, starting verse 5, then will the eyes of the blind be opened. Vision, (laughs) y'all. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame leap like a deer. And the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. (laughs) Y'all. Now think about what will happen as we we look to the the one who can provide these things. He said in in the presence of the Lord, the miracles happen. You will have vision. The blind will see. Eyes will be open because you will be able to see. So wherever you are, I know for me, I often like I write out my visions, but I often can't see because I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm thirsty. And the reality is only in the presence of the Lord can I begin to experience true sight, true vision, true things that actually can open up my eyes and my heart so I can understand and experience this world. Because even in the midst of that, the brokenness the dry and thirsty ground will become a spring. Like it literally transforms, transforms the things that are broken to make it be able to be seen. Transforms the things that are dry to make it flushing with water. And this is, as I wrote that poem, I'm thirsty. This is the reality. The only way that we can experience this is the only way, it's the beautiful gift that we have is that Jesus says that I'm the living water. He says that I'm here with you, just like with Mary. When you're crying out, when you have nowhere to turn, I don't know what you're going through, my friends. I don't know. But I just wanted to get on here and remind you that the Lord is with you in the midst of it. When you feel like you're alone, when you feel like no one knows how you feel, when you feel like no one can hear your cry, no one knows the pain that you experience, no one knows the loss that you feel, the uncertainty that you feel, no one knows. And you think that the truth is that Jesus does know, not only does he know, he's there with you, right next to you. And he's making your dry ground into water. He's 
making your parched soul into the place of refreshment. Out of your pain, out of your suffering, out of your out of your out of your out of your unknown and uncertainty, Jesus is there and he's shaping it. So rest in your Saturday. Rest in the Sabbath of the Saturday of an unknown. Know that the Lord is in control in the midst of all that. So thank you guys for joining me in. And um, I don't have a quite routine of how often we post these things, this podcast, but I just want to um, continue to thank you. And if you want to know more about us and what we do, please look us up, andyabramsfoundation.org. That's A-N-D-Y-A-B-R-A-M-S-Foundation.org. You can also check out the email, info at andyabramsfoundation.org. Yeah, and just check us out um, about what we're doing and our vision and our desire uh, to continue to move forward. So thank you for listening, and I hope you have a blessed day.